The older I get, the more I realize there are just some things I don't know. Balancing a budget, for example. I'm not a financial whiz. Sure, I know batting averages, passing and rushing yards, three-point shooting percentage. But intentionally putting away money for retirement? That's where my friends at NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast come in. NerdWallet's trusted financial journalists use fact-based reporting for some much-needed clarity in the financial world, helping you make smarter decisions with your money. The nerds have helped me get smarter about things like planning my tax bills so I don't dread April every single year. Actually, I was one of the first in line this time around. Saving on travel so that I can take my girls on trips. Because spending less on airfare means more money for an extra night and maybe a fancy dinner too. So enjoy the things you love, the Ole Miss Rebels, your family, your friends, knowing that your financial situation is taken care of with advice that you followed from NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app today. Trust me, future you will thank you. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Reason number 12 to bank at BNA. We are the bank for Northeast Mississippi. We have one home, Northeast Mississippi. Seeing this local Northeast Mississippi economy thrive and helping the people of our area with their borrowing needs is our only focus. From buying a home to starting your own business, we are the team of local lenders standing ready to make your dreams a reality. BNA Bank. We are the bank of Northeast Mississippi. Member FDIC. An equal housing lender. You're listening to Talk of Champions, an Ole Miss Spirit podcast with Ben Garrett. It's up, it's up, it's up, it's up, it's up. This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter. Back in the guest co host chair is Colin Brister. At Colin Brister, today's guest on Talk of Champions is Kermit Davis, Ole Miss men's basketball coach. A big game against Wichita State coming up for Ole Miss basketball on Saturday. But football is still the dominant news in early January. As Lane Kiffin tries to put his staff together, we're going to cover every bit of it. But first, Colin, what's up, man? How you doing? Not much, not much. It's been a little bit with uh, Christmas and New Year's and everything, so glad to be back. How'd you ring in the New Year? Uh, Honestly, I mean, I I didn't do much. I usually kind of do go out and, and have some fun on new year's eve but this year was just kind of a little bit different so i stayed at home didn't do much this year can't tell you the last time i truly celebrated new year's eve <laughs> don't do that, it. yeah i mean i'll be honest it's one of the more i don't want to say overrated holidays but it's just like what are, what are we doing it's just another day right yeah i never understood staying out till the wee hours of the morning on new year's eve and celebrating ringing in a new year. When I watch the ball drop, for example, in New York City, all I can think is how miserable it would be to be standing there in the street in Times Square, not being able to move. And you got to get up there, like what, five, six, seven hours beforehand and just right. stand in your spot and not move just to say you were there. That sounds terrible. Yeah, it's, that's just not for me. Uh, you know, Godspeed if it is for you, but uh, not, not, not my style. 
Yeah, not my style either. This is Talk of Champions. Kermit Davis coming up in about 10, 15 minutes. Ole Miss football, we're still waiting to see Lane Kiffin fill out the rest of his staff. Some names emerged after I'd put up the Monday podcast, well after I'd put up the Monday podcast, about potential defensive coordinator candidates. I don't know who first reported anything, so forgive me if I don't give proper credit here, but Chris Patridge, who's about to complete his fifth season on Jim Harbaugh's Michigan staff, is being floated as a potential name as a defensive coordinator candidate, along with DJ Durkin. What do you think about this stuff? Yeah, you know, it's it's interesting. Um, you know, Durkin, obviously, you know, everybody knows what happened there at Maryland, or I guess they do. And, uh, you, you know, I, I think uh, Nick Saban offered Patridge last year, maybe a year before last. So I, I think it's two good coaches. I think there's an emphasis of on Lane Kiffin, uh, you know, from his – from at a hiring standpoint to get guys that can recruit and that have recruited all over the country. Um, and I think that's what you look at with a guy like Patridge and obviously Durkin has looked at as uh, one of the better defensive minds in the game. Now, you know, obviously the the stuff at Maryland happens. So you, you got to got to get past that from a recruiting standpoint, but you know, all in all, it seems like two good hires before we really get going here on talk of champions. Let me tell you about the Lamar Oxford's first and only traditional neighborhood and Cheney's pharmacy, two proud sponsors of talk of champions. A new year always brings about change. For you or someone close to you, that change could be finally finding a dream home. Enter the Lamar, Oxford's first and only traditional neighborhood, an innovative new development from John Welty Realty. Located just up north Lamar, blocks from the Oxford Square, the Lamar offers 48 acres that connects homes and restaurants with arts and businesses. Only a few steps from your front door, a grocery store, brewery, shops, and other amenities. Build out on these modern open concept homes is happening, so get in now. Call them today at 662-816-2782. You can also reach out via email, hello at thelamarms.com. The Lamar, Oxford's first and only traditional neighborhood and proud sponsor of Talk of Champions. A new year has arrived. 2020 is here, and it's time to assess whether you're using the pharmacy that best fits your needs. For you, the Ole Miss fan, the only place to go is Cheney's Pharmacy. Cheney's offers prescription synchronization, immunizations, compounding, a two-lane drive-through, and available hours that ensure your needs are met on your own time. Cheney's also accepts all third-party insurance. It's a locally-owned pharmacy that has been in Oxford over 40 years. Cheney's Pharmacy provides the best customer service out there. So give them a call, 662-234-7221. You can visit them at 501 Bramlett Boulevard. That's right off of University Avenue. They're open 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. Monday through Saturday, 1 p.m. to 9 p.m. on Sundays. You can find them online at Cheney'sPharmacy.com. Cheney's Pharmacy, much more than just a pharmacy. Mike McIntyre won't return as Ole Miss's defensive coordinator as reported by David Johnson on the Ole Miss Spirit, OMSpirit.com, an affiliate of 247 Sports. That's the website that I write for. The DJ Durkin stuff, it's hard to really come to terms with it, if we're being honest. A kid died under his watch. It was bad. We could get into the details about it, but at the end of the day, whether you want to deflect blame or not, it was DJ Durkin's program. So you're going to have to deal with that. And it shouldn't be something that is cast aside as something to deal with. But that is what it is in that if you're going to bring him on, if that does happen and he becomes a co-defensive coordinator with Chris Patridge, who's currently the Michigan special teams coordinator and safeties coach, you have to understand the headlines that are going to come with that. And you're going to have to have a PR team on hand ready to say whatever you need to say to stem that tide because it could bring about some really bad press for you. And it's going to be hard for anyone to truly get all the way on board with it. If you're an Ole Miss fan, you're going to get on board with it because of course you are. But I've said this before. I'll continue to say it. It's not going to change now. I think public sentiment and caring what other people think, those days are long in the past for Ole Miss. 
embrace who you are. Um, just try to build the best staff. And if Lane Kiffin believes DJ Durkin is the best person to come on and be the co-defensive coordinator with Patridge, so be it. But it is hard once you know all the facts about the case in regards to the player who died in DJ Durkin's program to think that he would come to Ole Miss. That's still a very hard thing for me to rationalize. Not to say that I have any say whatsoever, and I don't, in what Lane Kiffin does, but it is something that you have to consider, and it's not so comfortable. Yeah, I mean, that, that that's completely, you know, uh, how I feel about it, too, is, um, yeah, a, a, a strength coach was overseeing an activity where a kid died in Maryland when DJ Durkin was the head coach. And, you know, there's, you know, put your level of responsibility wherever you want. Um, then today, you know, he hired the strength coach. So I don't know. It's it's a tough situation because, look, he before he was the head coach at Maryland, he was lauded as one of the best assistant coaches in the country, one of the best defensive uh, minds in the country, but that happened at Maryland and you have to take that into consideration. So, um, it's a tough situation all around. If it were me and it's not, thank God, because Ole Miss would be terrible. You know, I don't know if I could do it, but you know, that's not, I'm not trying to speak ill of, uh, DJ Durkin's morality or anything here. So, no, no. I, I mean, it's, it's just a tough situation all the way around. You're just dealing with the facts of the case. I don't know DJ Durkin. I'm in no place whatsoever right. to make any type of moral judgment about what happened there. But all I know are the facts are bad. And Ole Miss, if you're going to bring them on, you have to understand the facts of that case and be ready to have an explanation for why you're the program that took the plunge again with Durkin. It's funny, though, in football, unlike any other profession, second, third, fourth, fifth chances, coaches have nine lives, if not more. And DJ <laughs> Durkin is the perfect example of that. If he ends up at Ole Miss, it's not official, but that's a hot name. And then Patridge, of course, who I mentioned is currently the Michigan special teams coordinator and safeties coach. As far as the rest of the staff, I haven't heard a bunch of names about the wide receiver coach. Joe John Finley is going to be the tight ends coach. That's just waiting to be publicly announced. I'm not going to put percentages on anything. I was asked about percentages for potential coaches staying like Freddie Roach and Mike McIntyre and Charles Clark when we did the mailbag before Christmas, and that was purely my own speculation. I haven't talked to Lane Kiffin, so I don't know. Mike McIntyre's gone. Tyrone Nix is trying to get out. I've heard that he's angling for the linebackers coach job at Mississippi State, potentially. Derek Nix was going to go to Missouri, but Missouri recently made a hire on the offensive side, the offensive staff under Eli Drinkwich, to where I don't think Derek's going to end up at Missouri now. He could still end up at Mississippi State. Oof. When Matt Luke was let go, Joe Moorhead had a grand plan to not only bring in Derek Nix, but also Jacob Peeler, Brennan Chapman, and someone else. I can't remember who else it was effectively just to own Mississippi recruiting. Now, Ole Miss under Lane Kiffin is not going to specialize in Mississippi recruiting. He's going to take it national, just as Ed Orgeron did, just as Hugh Freeze did. That's the angle in which he's going to take. It's not going to be completely emphasized on Mississippi. Still, you have to take care of the state. Joe Moorhead, he's going to build his program from the state, and he was going to go get the best Mississippi recruiters on staff. Now, Jacob Peeler, he's gone and taken an offensive coordinator job. Brendan's still on, on staff. Derek Nix is out of a job. Tyrone's going to be out of a job. Of the guys currently on staff that could stay, the only one I feel any type of somewhat confidence about is Charles Clark. And that sounds crazy, but he has yeah. a foothold in Florida to where I don't think Freddie Roach is necessarily going to get an opportunity to stay. He might. I don't know. None of us have talked to Lane Kiffin, but right now, if you made me handicap it, of the guys left, the only one I think – has a realistic shot 
of staying is Charles Clark. But I said this back when Lane Kiffin got hired, and I got it from a really good source that Lane was going to come in and clean house. And I was on a radio show in Mississippi, Memphis, I can't remember, and somebody asked me about that, and I said, yeah, I think he's going to clean house. Well, Derek Nix was listening, apparently, on the road recruiting, <laughs> called a friend of mine and said, does Ben know? What he know? Is he well-connected about that? And this person said, I think he would. Well, it looks like a house clean is exactly what's happening. Not to say I was some fortune teller or something like that, but yeah, that original sourcing seems to be pretty damn accurate. He's cleaning house. Yeah, and you know, I think if when you know Matt Luke was let go, if we would have put odds on it, Mike McIntyre would have been probably the favorite of any of the staffers to return after the production the defense had, um, and he doesn't even get to keep his job. So, yeah, I mean, uh, a house cleaning seems. Uh, an, an accurate label for what's going on here. Uh, kind of a tough situation for McIntyre because, yeah. you know, obviously he takes the job and man, he did a heck of a job this year and you kind of hate to see that for him, but I'm sure he, he's not going to have a, a shortcoming of job offers. No, he's not. And his mom passed away on the same day and that's yeah, terrible. That's awful. Yeah, it's terrible. So best wishes to Mike McIntyre. He did a great job, but this is what happens when you make a coaching change. Coaches need to feel comfortable with the, the staff that they put together and have full autonomy to do what they want. And that's what Lane Kiffin has been granted, is full autonomy, to go out and do whatever he thinks is necessary and build the staff that he wants. And if you're an Ole Miss fan, you shouldn't have any allegiance to anybody. You should have all confidence and trust put into Lane Kiffin above everything else. And if you're somebody on this beat uh, that was in any way defending or advocating for a coach, that's not your place. You're just supposed to cover it and let the chips fall where they may. So... I think what you're seeing right now is Lane Kiffin is putting his stamp on the program and where he goes from here, it'll be interesting to watch, especially when you think about that January recruiting period. I know this, of the coaches still on staff, the ones recently hired like Jeff Levy and those guys, Lane Kiffin has told them, don't be back to what, January 13th, 12th or 13th? I can't remember exactly. You come back then and then they're supposed to hit the ground running on the 15th, I think, to start recruiting again. So not a lot of time in the push up to that February signing period. Who all's left from the previous staff? That's it's, it's Roach, Nix, and and Clark. Is that it? Yeah. Okay. I guess Siski. I'm, I'm not. Well, sure Siski and works. Siski and Brennan Chapman. I think both of those guys are going to stay. I don't know though. I don't know. <laughs> I want to make that very clear. I do not know. And if anybody <laughs> says that they know, they don't. Yeah. Lane I mean, Kiffin is not talking to local media. I know that right. for a fact. <laughs> those decisions haven't been made for uh, all no. we know. So, uh, yeah. I mean, it's. Look, when do you think this staff has to be set in stone done? Like, what, what, at what point are we saying, like, what is he doing if he doesn't have his staff filled out? Oh, March. March. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> the timeline has been completely changed with the early signing period and holding on to guys that are on, on contract so that you can finish out a class, sign those players. It's kind of ugly ethically, but college yeah. football is not an ethics business, it's a wins and losses business. That's just yeah. part of the deal. When you sign over your life and then an LOI, you're signing over the ability to complain when a coach keeps a coach on staff just to get you to sign, which is binding, and is going to make it a whole hell of a lot harder for you to leave without transferring and sitting out a year. So that's just part of it. So Tyro Nix and Mike McIntyre are still on contract. That hasn't been officially done, done, I don't think. I think he's still under his contract. Same with Freddie Roach and Charles Clark. Those guys have to continue to work because if they don't, if Lane Kiffin says – I need you to do this, and they don't do it. They say no, or they do something that allows them to get fired. Ole Miss can fire them with cause to where they don't get any of that buyout money. 
that's a big deal for these coaches. They need that money. Yeah. <laughs> we all need money, but you get what I'm saying? Like that, that's right. a, the biggest motivator of all is your buyout money. I do wonder if, if, you know, like we said, you, you know, if you're an Ole Miss fan, you should be beholden to any of these coaches um, besides Lane Kiffin, who's running the regime. I do wonder if McIntyre, you know, did an interview for jobs in hopes that he was going to be able to stay here. Because, uh, you know, it's kind of – I say he's not going to have a shortcoming of jobs. It is kind of getting late in the process for him to go find a new defensive coordinator job. Mike McIntyre is going to be fine. Even if he has to sit <laughs> out a year, he's got a lot of money to sit on. And he's sure. dealing with a lot of stuff right now. Mike McIntyre is a hell of a coach. He's going to be okay. Yeah, Colorado is still paying him, I think. Yeah. So this Chris Patrick stuff and DJ Durkin, it's nothing if not interesting. Ole Miss has gone the recruiter route with its defensive coordinator with Wesley McGriff, and it didn't pan out well. I'm not saying in any way that Chris Patrick is Wesley McGriff, but it does come with its own share of risk. Yeah, I would think Durkin would be in primary control of you know calling plays and, and that type of thing, um, and, and Patrick would be more of a recruiter and an, an enhancement in name title. And if you just look at the resume, Durkin's a really good coach. Oh, yeah. 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 One of the best assistant coaches in the country before he took that uh, Maryland job. But it's not just about the resume. If it was just about the football resume, slam dunk, home run. He'd he'd still be at Maryland if it was just about. He was doing a good job there. What do you think about the staff so far? Let's look at it. Jeff Lebby is the offensive coordinator. He's a guy that Matt Luke entertained bringing in as offensive coordinator. I like that hire. You know, and I don't know if we'll ever know the answers to this. I wonder, like, how much responsibility the offensive coordinator is going to have in Lane Kiffin's system. I know he's called plays before. I know he's had an offensive coordinator call plays before uh, when Kendall Browles was with him. I just wonder how that kind of works and what his main responsibilities will be, if it's from a play-calling perspective or if Lane handles that. I just kind of wonder what that job looks like. I think that's going to be one of the first questions when Ole Miss opens spring football practices. Lane, who's going to call plays? You're Jeff Levy. He's not going to say anything. <laughs> He'll probably say something to the effect of it's going to be a collaborative effort, and that's what he should say. Right. If you couldn't tell by his introductory press conference, he's going to take the Nick Saban route when dealing with press. Yeah. He could do it like Hugh Freeze did and call plays on first and second down and let Dave Warner, Dan Warner call it on third and 13. <laughs> oh, man. That one move right there is when I knew it was over for Hugh Freeze, <laughs> when he fired Dan Warner. Not to say Dan Warner was some godsend as offensive coordinator, but he'd done a really good job, and it just showed the hubris of Hugh Freeze. He was digging in his hills. He was making the whole program about him. When he fired Dan Warner and hired Phil Longo, you just knew. You just knew that Hugh Freeze had gone off the rails. <laughs> oh, there's some stories we could tell about uh, Dan having to call plays on third and 13. Yeah, we could. <laughs> Dan Warner needs to come on this podcast one day. I don't know if he'll yeah, ever tell yeah. those kind of stories, but if he'd be open to doing so – It'd be really fun to talk to Dan Warner because Dan Warner, that's a good dude, and he's got stories. I I didn't throw the effing pass, Hugh. Yeah. (laughs) Kevin Smith is the running backs coach. There was some talk early once Kevin Smith came over from FAU with Lane Kiffin that Derek Nix could be reassigned. When Kevin Smith took over as the running backs coach, Derek Nix was done. There was no being the special teams coordinator for Derek Nix. Yeah, I'm not even sure that's something Knicks would have wanted to do. Obviously, we talked about you know the retirement aspect of it. Um, but you know he's coached running backs for 10 years. I'm sure he doesn't really want to change positions at this point of his career. Look, Derek Nix had to find out about Robbie Ashford, which was his recruit from Robbie Ashford's high school head coach that Ole Miss had dropped the kid. The high school head coach called Derek Nix just going nuts on him about dropping him. He had no clue, no idea. The writing yeah. was on the wall. 
These coaches know. They know. And Derek Nix had a hell of a run at Ole Miss. He survived coach after coach after coach. That never happens. Derek Nix, good no. dude. But this is what usually happens is a coach comes in and he cleans house. Randy Clements is the offensive line coach. That's a great hire. We've been over that one before. Um, Wilson Love is the head strength and conditioning coach. Blake Gideon is the special teams coordinator. And Alex Collins is in as senior personnel analyst. Still some positions open. I don't know what they're going to do at wide receivers coach. No clue. Yeah, that's an interesting one. Obviously, you know, Joe, Joe John Finley and, and Gideon have the Texas connections from recruiting. Um, Clements was out there at Baylor, too, if I'm not mistaken. So, obviously, you got guys with footholds in, in Texas, and we mentioned earlier Charles Clark has one in Florida. So, I think I think it's obvious there's an emphasis on bringing in he, bringing in people that can recruit nationally and, and bring in players to Ole Miss. That's what Ed Ordron did. He filled yeah. out his staff with recruiters. That's what Pete Carroll did. This is exactly yeah. what USC did. This is it. And oh, it's wow. no surprise that Lane Kiffin, Ed Ordron, all these guys, yeah, you bring in bright offensive, defensive minds, whoever you think those guys are. If a DJ Durkin, just by football resume, is a bright offensive, or excuse me, a bright defensive mind for you, great. But really around those guys, outside of those two, your offensive and defensive coordinator, and with the offensive coordinator, Lane's really his own offensive coordinator, unless Jeff Levy gets to call plays like Kendall Bryles did. Outside of those two positions, everybody else, be good recruiters. That's it. Yeah, no, that's that's kind of the name of the game at this point is you can handle uh, position coaches that maybe aren't as strong as, you know, yeah. teaching their craft if uh, they're really good recruiters because, man, players overcome all. At the end of the day, college football isn't that complicated. So if an assistant coach, the coach's wide receivers, comes in and can recruit, that's going to mask any deficiencies he might have. Yeah. How many layman fan out there can look at a field and say, oh, that wide receivers coach is way better than our wide receivers coach. <laughs> All you see yeah. is talent on the field. That's it. Yeah. Now you want to talk to me about offensive defensive coordinators. Okay. But yeah. yeah and maybe end, offensive though, line coach. Yeah. Correct. Agreed. But outside of that, no. Jack <laughs> Bignell was always a weird fit because he comes from the pros. Recruiting isn't his bag. He did a pretty good job recruiting, but that was never his bag. Randy Clements, veteran offensive line coach, can recruit the hell out of Florida. That's the kind of guy you're looking for. But yeah. outside of that, no one cares about wide receivers, coach, tight ends, coach, linebackers, coach. Coaches are coaches or coaches. They only become specialty coaches once they get into college. Otherwise, they've coached a number of different positions. Even in the recruiting office, like a Tyler Siski or a Brennan Chapman, those guys aspired one day or used to aspire to be on the field coaches. So Tyler Siski could go coach tight ends right now for Ole Miss if they wanted to. Sure. Of course he yeah. could. Yeah. yeah. He did it at uh, South Alabama. That's right. Mistaken. Yeah, so, that's right. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it's not like it's overly complicated. The only person that I know got a new contract is Brennan Chapman. Okay. So I get everybody else is on their current contract, even Tyler Siski. I don't know who else is staying. I don't know. But that's kind of where things are. This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter. He's Colin Brister. If you haven't already, subscribe, rate, review Talk of Champions in iTunes. And when you do, please leave a five-star review. Also available in SoundCloud. And Spotify, just simply search Talk of Champions. I write for the Ole Miss Spirit, omspirit.com, an affiliate of 247 Sports. Coming up right now, it's Ole Miss men's basketball coach Kermit Davis on the Modern Woodman phone line. Before we get to him, Colin, this Wichita State game is big. Yeah, they're playing as we're recording right now. They're opening conference play against East Carolina. I was watching a little bit of their game. It's a good basketball team, so Ole Miss is going to have their hands full on Saturday. It's uh, Look, Ole Miss's resume is fine right now, but, man, if you can add a win at Wichita State to it. Oh, my God. Yeah, you're sitting in good position heading into SEC play. 
Ole Miss entered Sunday fourth in the NCAA net rankings in the SEC. And I was surprised by that because of the losses, but that just goes to show if you schedule and play strong opponents, even if you lose a 41-point loss to Oklahoma State on a neutral floor, that's ugly, but it can only fall so far for you. It's a quad one loss. So if you schedule and play tough opponents, it helps you in the net rankings. And almost entering Sunday was fourth. They fell back a little bit in the net rankings after beating Tennessee Tech because Tennessee Tech is a terrible team. But other than that – uh, Ole Miss is in pretty good position. If you go beat Wichita State at Wichita State, holy cow. You're right. That is why Ole Miss has you know, got, got the net ranking they do. But I think another thing that's a little bit problematic has been this league's not very good right now. Um, so Ole Miss is going to have to do some work inside of to to solidify an NCAA tournament because there are some not good basketball teams in this league and some, te- and some teams that frankly should be a lot better than they are. That's what I asked Kermit Davis about, the strength of the league, Wichita State, all that stuff, the resume. But the league is not as strong as it was last year. Is 10 wins in the league going to be enough to get into the NCAA tournament? I think so. Kermit thinks so. Do you think so? Yeah, I think I think 10 is going to be the number. Now, if you, you, you tell me nine and, I, you know, you're sweating on Sunday. So I, I think 10 is a, is a minimum to, to feel good. Um it's just, you know, look, there's teams in this league that were supposed to be a lot better than they are. And I'm looking at you, Florida. Um, you know, it's just, it, you know, South Carolina loses to 330 Stetson after beating Virginia last Sunday. It just doesn't make any sense right now. So I think 10's the number. Yeah. Uh, but I wouldn't win less than that and feel comfortable. Florida is easily, in my opinion, the most disappointing team in the league. And if you're Mike White, friend of mine, I've told stories about Mike White. Got to know him really well when he when he was at Ole Miss as an assistant under Andy Kennedy. He's got to be feeling it a little bit. Yeah, he got to be. You know, he was obviously trying to reset his contract at, at some places, and you know, I probably wouldn't be a bad idea. It just doesn't feel like they like him down there, and you know, he's not really helping himself to be honest. It was always a strange fit, but I can tell you this: had Kermit Davis not said yes to Ole Miss, Ole Miss was going to pivot to Mike White, and I wouldn't have been surprised. Not to say it would have happened, but I wouldn't have been surprised that Mike had jumped at it. Mike's had a tough year. Um, Blackshear's not played like he needed to, and you know, just for for whatever reason, Florida's not winning basketball. Look, I thought Florida was going to win the league this year. I don't think that's going to happen anymore. Tennessee's not great right now. The league's all over the place, really. Going now to Kermit Davis, Ole Miss men's basketball coach on the Modern Women phone line. But before we do, let me tell you about Impact by Ironwood and Sola, two proud sponsors of Talk of Champions. Business owners, did you know you can support Ole Miss Athletics every time you accept a debit or credit card payment? That's right, Impact by Ironwood offers the best debit and credit card payments processing tools around, and they'll donate a portion of their profits to the Ole Miss Athletics Foundation in your name. The best part is you don't have to spend an extra dime to get exclusive member benefits, earn donor priority points, and support your Ole Miss Rebels. To learn more, call 1-833-GO-TEAMS. That's 1-833-GO-TEAMS. Or go to www.impactolmus.com. Make a difference, make an impact. So a few years ago, a multi-generation Ole Miss family set out to do something a little different in the world-renowned Oxford culinary community. They wanted to bring a true wine bar to the square. Upon opening the wine bar in 2013, they discovered they had one of the Southeast's best young chefs in Erica Leip. Fascinated by diverse cultures and tastes, Erica proved herself to be a true visionary when pairing food and drink, constantly discovering new pairings, and creating seasonal offerings that took the classics everyone loves and twisting them up a notch to create something truly unique. 
Fast forward to 2019, the family felt that their food offerings were being undervalued and decided to lean on Erica's incredible culinary talents and rebrand the wine bar into one of the best restaurants in the Southeast. Enter Sola, bringing to you unique cuisine and lifted spirits. Come as you are, enjoy creative dishes and distinctive drinks as served by Erica and her team of food and beverage enthusiasts, skillfully combining ingredients from local purveyors with classic cooking techniques from all over the world. Simply put, Sola is the best restaurant in Oxford. So check them out. The website is solaoxford.com or give them a call at 662-238-3500. Also remember to follow them on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, using the at MS on all platforms. Sola in Oxford, on the Oxford Square. The Modern Woodman Phone Line. Cool. We'll talk. No big whoop. No big whoop. Where the best Ole Miss guests from far and wide drop in to talk the very latest in Rebel Sports. Modern Woodman, let's make a difference together. Joining me now on the Modern Woodman phone line is Kermit Davis, Ole Miss men's basketball coach. Kerm, how'd you ring in the new year? You know, I had a had a good dinner with a couple of great friends of Betty and I's at a city grocery and and I didn't get to see the ball drop. I think Betty did, but I went to sleep. And so typical of me, but we had a had a good night on the square in Oxford. When's the last time you stayed up to watch that ball drop? Gosh, that's a great question. I don't know. <laughs> it's, been, it's been a while, Ben. I, I don't know. It's uh, I've never been a real big New Year's Eve guy. I always would do stuff with some good buddies early and so never really went to any parties. What about yourself? Did you see it drop last night? I did, and I let my two daughters stay up. And they rung in the new year. They were really hyped. They were excited to stay up. And maybe 12.01, they were in bed, and they fell asleep by 12.02. <laughs> oh, that's great. I yeah. love it. That's as wild as we get at the Garrett household. So you and I, we're about the same. <laughs> Not big on New Year's Eve. You, but... hang out. You, you can hang out with our family for sure, I promise you. Yeah. But uh, you got a busy week coming up. You got Wichita State. The uh, tough portion of the schedule gets tipped off in earnest this Saturday. You've been watching them. What do you think of Wichita State? You know, I'm watching them play. You know, just on tape a bunch, and you know, obviously got ranked in both polls this year, Ben. And uh, you know, it's a team that has a lot of guys back from last year. They struggled early on. You know, Greg does such a great job. They got on a run late, made a run, and then it and got to the semifinals. And they just played with a lot of confidence. They're eleven and one. You know, beating South Carolina really bad. Their only loss is to West Virginia, who I think maybe, you know, it looks like to me the other day, maybe a top five team in the country. So great environment, but great, great opportunity for us on Saturday. You think about your team, I asked you about this after the Tennessee Tech game, the identity of this team, and you want them to take on the personality of you to be tough and um, to play hard and to come out fast. This team's been a little bit different, though, and they've started slow. What do you make of this team right now going into Wichita State? You know, they're, they're still a fun team been to come to the gym with. You know, I just think that, you know, obviously, you know, we just – like I, I just don't think our guys right now are, are just individually playing to the, to the level that I think they can get to. And, and I think we're, we're going we're gonna to make some progress, but – I think just KJ can make a lot more progress. Blake, Devontae's starting to find a rhythm. Brian can play at a higher level in other parts of his game, you know, dream. And then we've got a lot of new guys, and, and some of those new guys maybe hadn't kind of come along as as quickly, you know, right now. And uh, but, I, but, I, but I like where our team is. We've had some really good weeks of practice. But well, the main thing is what we've done, I mean, you know, this will be our fifth top 25 team that we've played. 
a hell of many teams in the country have done that. You know, if you look at the net, I mean, I think uh, Butler may be four, Wichita State is 10, Memphis is nine, Penn State's about 17. So, Rich, it's been a tough schedule. I think we're going to be prepared for the SEC. I'm glad you brought that up because I was looking at the net going into Sunday, and I think Ole Miss was fourth highest in the SEC, which surprised me, not because necessarily that I didn't think Ole Miss should be high in the net, but I didn't realize how high they would be considering the schedule. So you're right. The schedule's been so tough that even when you drop a few opportunities that would have helped your resume, when you play and schedule tough – um, that allows you opportunities to stay in the net, even if you drop a few, and give you more and more opportunities in the league. Yeah, you know we had a, you know we had a chance to, uh, you know, a couple opportunities. Butler at home, which is a top ten team, and only lost once. You know the Penn State game, we knew that was going to be a big win in March, and it it is, you know, and they're I think they're ranked maybe seventeenth in the in the polls right now at fourteenth or fifteenth. So Wichita State is another really really good opportunity for us to get a quadrant one win. And uh, then after that, you know, you're going to have plenty of opportunities for top 100 wins. You're hearing a lot of talk about the SEC potentially being down this year. Um, I understand that from a couple of losses the SEC has taken, but do you really buy into that, or do you think the league is still seven, eight bids? You know, I, I just I don't think that our league has had the November or December we all wanted it to have. Now, as of late, you know, uh, you know, Kentucky beats Louisville, uh, Virginia, uh, you know, I mean, South Carolina beat Virginia. You know, and LSU beat a good Liberty team that was high net. And uh, so, you know, I, but I just don't think that we have played probably as well as we have. I know one thing, it's a very, very balanced league. And so I, I think the league is going to be a, a, a tough one. I just think it's going to be some unbelievable uh, great games for, for fans, hard to win on the road, you know. So I, I still think when it plays out, being, I don't know if it's eight, but I do think we got a great chance between six and seven teams. Last year, it took 10 wins in the SEC to really cement your spot in the NCAA tournament. Do you think 10's enough for league teams to get in this year? Yeah, I do. I think so. You know, I I think with the schedule that we play, you know, and I think this, you know, this game we play on on Saturday is a big one. You know, it's going to be hard, but it's it's a it's a big game. And uh, so, but I, I do. I, I think 10 wins in this league about every time will will get you in. You know, and uh, I just think it's going to be a tough number to get to, but you know what? I think we're one of seven or eight teams that you got great chances to win the league. You just got, you got chances. You just got to keep playing and keep improving. And uh, every night you got some wonderful opportunities to get some great wins. Sunday, Devontae played in arguably one of his better games, if not his best game of the year. Was that the first time all year that a complete game standpoint you went, that's the Devontae I was used to seeing? Yeah, I really did. Over the last six games, his numbers are great. And his assisted turnovers over the last six games, probably maybe college basketball, he's like over six to one. And, you know, Devontae, it was, he, he's kind of suffering. He had a heel injury, and it was bothering him. You know, you don't ever say much about anything. You know, he just plays. And, but I think he really has gotten himself fully healthy, and uh, he has. I thought he's played much, much better. He's taking care of the ball. We're going to need that on Saturday. You mentioned it, and Devontae brought it up on Sunday. No one knew about it except for you guys, the hill injury. For him, it seems like it's always something with the foot, right? Yeah, I know. He just like last year when he was healthy. You know, we were off to that great start. He got that stress reaction. And, you know, I don't think they realize how much it really hurt our team during that little stretch, you know, and uh, right after we'd gotten ranked. 
and then he got healthy toward the end. And we we, we play and we won I think about five out of six and even the losses, you know, at Tennessee, Kentucky, he was healthy and but you kind of seen him, you know, he's been used to dunking balls. He really hadn't been above the rim, and so I think he's trying to get his pop and juice back a little bit. The three spot with Luis going down, we all knew it was a big deal, but now you got to have Blake play a little bit more, do more than just settle for threes like you've talked about, Austin step up. Are you starting to get a little bit more from those guys that you want as far as filling that role? Yeah, that's a great point, Ben. I mean, I just – I mean, everybody suffers injuries. We hate it for Luis, but, you know, we do we like some defensive toughness, and he was our toughest guy, and, and we struggle to rebound at times. He's probably our best rebounder. And so uh, – you know, Austin is young. He's, he had he played 28 minutes most he's played the other night, you know, and he did some really good things, playmaking. I think four assists, no turnovers. You know, he's got to get physically, you know, tougher, and, and especially in these level games like on Saturday. You know, I love Blake. We talked about it in the press conference, you know, but him kind of playing the three where he has to playmake and decision-make and guard six four, six five guys, him or KJ. You know, it's just something because of Luis's injury he's got to do. When you were recruiting Austin, I've asked you about him a number of times, but what did you see? What do you think he can be? What's his when, – when you look at him, who's the comp for him, do you think? You know, I, I don't know if there's a – I can really think about. You know, I, I just know he's, he's got – he's going to get physically stronger. He's just got to be tougher. He's just got to be more physical at point of contact, put his nose in the middle of the, of the fray and go pull balls and rebound it. That's what he's really, really got to do, you know, and – uh and I think right now, like a lot of freshmen, he, he's got to be a more confident shooter. I mean, really a confident shooter, because that's one thing I think he can do. Defensively, with your backup guards, that's what's been really frustrating for you, be it Bryce or Franco or Austin, whoever, yeah. just getting beat and getting driven into. Um, have they made some strides there? You've been just beating it into the brains for the last two weeks. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we just we work on it every day. We're two hours a day. It's probably an hour and 30 minutes defensively. And, you know, just we're just doing it over and over and over our ball screen and dribble penetration and so just some of those things. We're trying to maybe do some different ball screen coverages and just to help us out. And you're right, but I mean, you know, Bryce comes in and they just there's inside him, you know, and they're laying balls in and you know, Franco I thought did a little bit better and that's why I've been playing him a little bit more. And so but you're right, those those two guys are critical. We we gotta have those guys to play good. Ben. I mean, we got to have them in this stretch to come in and get us some lifts off the bench. What do you have to do if you're Bryce or Franco? What do you want to see them do defensively? For those that don't understand the ins and outs, the X's and O's of basketball, is it sitting down and, and not letting you get driven into? I mean, what is it that you're looking for in particular that you want to see them improve with? The, the, the main thing is just the, be engaged. I mean, and be physical. I mean, just where you can get yourself over ball screens. You just keep guys out of the paint. Very, very, just be simple. And just do simple things. And when you come in, don't bring in any negative plays. You know, keep guys in front, follow the scout. And then and the offense will take care of itself. Those guys, when I substitute those guys, it's never about offense. Never, never. In the last, whatever, eight, nine games, it's always about defense. And that's what the bench, like Sammy, it's never about offense. Sammy's got the freedom to shoot the ball. I've never taken him out about offense one time. It's all defensive or not rebounding. And that's what they got to do. It's always fun to watch, and, and I've joked about it before, but I've gotten to know you really well over the last two years, and it's so funny. You have no patience at all for any type of defensive struggles. <laughs> Offensively, they got some leash. You know, they can go yeah. a little long, but defensively, if you're not in it, you're out. <laughs> well, and, I, and, I, and my best players who played for me for years and years, they said, Coach, I know. So I'm telling you, 
said, we, we all know if you'll, you'll guard, if you'll guard and just have great attitude and effort, you'll live with some bad shots. I mean, you'll live with, you know, and I do. I just, well, I've always coached and, you know, and the guys that play hard every day and bring it every day, I give them more freedom. You know, with those guys that don't, boy, they do. They're just by nature. They have a short, have a short leash for those guys. If they're highly ranked, if they're coming from JUCO, I don't think they're used to being engaged defensively every single possession. I think offensively, they're just trying to go get buckets, Kerm. I think that's the big yeah. deal. <laughs> you probably live like that too, Bam, when yeah. you play it, right? Yeah, when I'm playing NBA 2K, <laughs> yeah, I'm just trying to get buckets, Kerm. I'm not. You know. um, I, I wanted to ask you about this. Uh, I mentioned Terrence Davis. He's playing really, really well. What does that do for you guys to have a player on an NBA roster playing well for the defending NBA champion, recruiting wise, just raising the profile of Ole Miss basketball? I think it does a lot. I really do. I mean, I just like today, you know, I'll send all of our recruits, you know, the things that the Raptors had about a minute highlight tape of TV, and it shows them they can do it here. I mean, they can do it here. You can be a Mississippi guy, you can go to Ole Miss, and, and not that, I mean, he, you know, he's playing on a playoff team, like the third or fourth best record in the East. You know, he's not playing for a bad team, you know, late in the year and scoring a few buckets. He's playing mean, meaningful minutes. And so it, I think it, it does a lot. I think it gives our guys and our program a lot of hope that they can do it here if you work. And, uh, and you know, so it, it, it's great for TD and great for Ole Miss. We'll get right back to Ole Miss men's basketball coach Kermit Davis after this brief word from Modern Woodman. You've walked this path many times before. It's a chance to think, especially about your future. How will you turn your retirement dreams into reality? Will you have enough gold for your golden years? Your choices for building funds for retirement can be complicated. Fortunately, you have a friend in the community who can help you make the right decisions. That's your modern Woodman agent. Your agent is a skilled professional who will listen to your needs and desires and then work with you to create a plan that uses the right financial products to achieve your retirement goals. Build a lasting professional relationship with a trusted financial advisor. Hi, this is Thomas Chandler, your local Modern Woodman representative. Give me a call today at 662-296-0186. Let's make a difference together. Hotty toddy and go Rebs. Get in touch with your agent today. Modern Woodman of America. Touching lives, securing futures. I've always said this, but obviously you know far better than I not having that NBA presence, it puts you at a distinct disadvantage in recruiting to where when, once you have it and you're able to recruit to it, it just opens up different doors that maybe were closed to you previously. Is that fair? Yeah, no doubt. No question about it. People can't use it against you. They can't, you know, and so you can, you can show them, you know, that you can go to the NBA. And, uh, and then you got a guy like NCC say on our staff right now and, you know, recruits come in, you know, he played in the NBA. And so, you know, now you start having some presence. And now what we've got to do is develop these young guys, keep recruiting at a high level. And, uh, and hopefully those guys will keep working. And you got, you know, you got multiple guys that are playing in the league and that can be a success. Is Blake Kinson probably the best profile for the three and D that can step up and do the things TD did? Uh, yeah, he does. Cause he can really, really shoot it, you know? And so I, I think he does. He doesn't play make, like TD does right now. I think we can get Blake to do that. You know, to what TD did. TD could see basketball. I mean, he can hit long roll guys, and, and he's doing right now. You know, the biggest thing with TD, and do simple things. You watch him play with the Raptors, he's very simple. TD's not trying to do anything he's not supposed to do. I mean, so he's really starting to play the right way. And that's why he's getting a lot of minutes, and Blake's the same thing. He's just got to keep doing that. 
He makes simple plays, shoot the ball. And the other night was very encouraging to get 10 rebounds. When you're watching Terrence Davis and you think back to Terrence Davis day one when you arrived, what is it when you're watching him with the Raptors that he does something that maybe he didn't do previously that makes you smile and go, yeah, see, I did that. I put that in him. <laughs> oh, I don't know. You know, AK deserves a lot of credit too, no question. And TD deserves almost the credit. But I just think his his basketball IQ, you know, has improved. Uh, we we tried to get his game a lot simpler then. You know, trying to not do not those those fifty fifty plays, you know, and just just play within himself. And I just think he he looks and acts like an NBA player on that floor. Not just because he's making buckets, but the way he handles himself, he he just looks the part. And I saw it in that summer league game, you know, and so hopefully we've helped him just with an more of a better understanding of how to play. Because I think freak athletes like TD and Austin Crowley is going to go through this a little bit early in his career. They're just so used to relying on their athleticism and being the best athlete and out-athleting people on the floor that they just fall into bad habits a little bit. And that's where they have to kind of learn and pick things up. Yeah, not following scout. Uh, Defensively, I watched TD in the NBA. I mean, he's following scouts. He's not not taking chances. Now, he'll still foul some. That's what he's got to get better at. (laughs) You know, but he's not reaching and grabbing as much. He's staying... Just, just, I mean, again, just keep your game simple. Just do what you do. You know, they want him to shoot open shots just to be safe with the ball. Austin Crowley, the same thing. Oh, now he had four turnovers, you know, a couple nights ago. You know, and so those are the things when he takes care of the ball and just, you know, playmates, just play play to your strengths, you know, and all those other things will, will come as, as, as age and skill development, you know, goes as you get older, more mature and experienced in the league. And TD's not talking to the refs anymore. That's good. That's real good. That's the one thing. We're about this. I, I'm definitely only got more than I have. But TD about that. KJ falls in the same book. You know, just because just, it's just next play. You got to go better body language next play. And it's just something that, you know, it, it bothered TD. And you know what? TD, I told him, I said, you, you don't get calls in the SEC because you've been kind of with this kind of body language to officials for three years. And those those guys, don't they don't care. And so you've got to have, you know, the only person that needs to be on the officials is me. And that's it. And uh, and those guys just got to play. As far as temperament with dealing with re- officials, how do you balance that? Because I, I would assume that there are times in which you want to just pop off, but you can't. How do you handle that delicately? And how do you teach the players, this is how you deal with officials? Yeah, well, number one, uh, you know, every, every guy's different. So you got to have relationships with the player. You can't ever get personal with an official. And we don't do that. I've got one technical this year, and it's good up. One guy who I thought missed some calls in the Memphis game was calling our game maybe against Butler, and I brought the Memphis game. And he gave me a technical for that, you know, So and not a warning. So that's how I got my technical. For the people that, that would like to know, you know, I, I just think this is that, you know, you just got to be – you just got to have an understanding about the, the, the time of the game and, you know, the flow of the game and the personality and how you've dealt with a official in the past and some guy you know some guys that's got quick technical whistles you just know it you know so it just got to have a good feel for it oh that's great i love that you brought up memphis to somebody and immediately got a tech <laughs> that sounds like something i'd do carm you know that sounds like something i'd say i just run my mouth too much yeah. um what is the rec- what is the recruiting schedule like for you now entering january the spring signing period's coming up and March, April, I can't remember. It's all running together at this point. But what's the schedule like for you now and, and going out and doing visits because you got the league schedule coming up and everything? Yeah, I mean, we've been out a bunch. I mean, last 
Friday. Ron and I flew to Georgia, had an in-home visit with the 2020. Uh, this past, what was it, two nights ago? On, no, excuse me, Monday, our day off. Our whole staff went to North Carolina, John Wall Classic, and uh, you know saw a couple 2020s and some 21s, and you know so we're we're going and you know doing a thing in Memphis on Friday and. I'm trying to get back after the Wichita game for another uh, game in Memphis on Saturday. So yeah, it's just wide open. I mean, and, and every day you have off, you're you're doing some kind of recruiting. Last thing, when you're looking and projecting forward, do you know how many spots you're operating under right now, or do you really even think about that? You're just looking to go get talent. Yeah, I would say right now a couple. You know, I would say a couple, and we're just you know we're just kind of looking at best available. We, we, we got to get toughness. We, we got to get up. We got to get physicalness. You know, at every position. I mean, talent, no doubt. But I don't care if he's a point guard or a two or a four or five. We, we we've got to get toughness. And so, some of those things are, you know, we we there's some still some good players out there, and so, so we're working at it every day. So, what is Kermit Davis's New Year's resolution? Trying to sleep more. I can't <laughs> sleep, man. I'm so you know, obviously, they're all trying to lose a few pounds, you know. And so, I, I did. I put on my diet, lost about eighteen pounds. I gained some of it back. You know, I do that at late night eating. Yeah. So it's 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 trying to. I really need to. Uh, my resolution is really trying to 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 get some more sleep. I just think it keeps you fresh, and it's something. I get up early, but I just got to do a better job of uh, doing that. I just think it would. If you don't, about end of January, middle of February, I take its toll on you. See, my goal every year is to lose weight. I do a good job, then I eat a, a bunch, and I've got an addictive personality. If I'm not smoking cigarettes or drinking beer, I'm eating too much food. So I, that's what I've been trying to get rid of. But see, I said I'm going to do it this year. 2020 is the year I'm going to change. Well, next week I'm going to Disney World with the girls. I mean, what the hell am I going to do? Oh, yeah, it's going to be hard. That yeah. will be hard. I agree. Yeah. yeah I agree. I'm going to take a picture with like a Mickey ice cream bar and say, send a picture. She say, hey, Kerm, see? See? What the hell can I do? Yep. What can I do? You got it. He's Kermit Davis, yeah, Ole Miss yeah. men's basketball coach. Thanks for doing this, man. I appreciate it. We'll talk again. Got it, Ben. Thank you, buddy. That was Ole Miss men's basketball coach Kermit Davis. This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter. And the guest co-host chair is Colin Brister. Talk of Champions is brought to you in part by Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford. What's your New Year's resolution? Maybe it's to finally get in shape, learn a new language, an instrument. Here's one for you. How about a new car? Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford is the only place to go for your next perfect car, truck, or Jeep. They'll work with you to ensure you get the car you want at a price point you can afford. All you've got to do is go visit Brian, Mason, and the crew and let them take care of you through the easiest, most seamless car buying process around. How can they best serve you? To take advantage of any one or more of the services Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford provides, be sure to contact them today at 662-638-0044. Or stop by and see them in person at 2201 East University Avenue. That's just past Kroger. Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford. Let's be friends. Back with me now is Colin Brister. This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter. He's Colin Brister at Colin Brister. If you haven't already, subscribe, rate, review Talk of Champions in iTunes. And when you do, please leave a five-star review. doesn't matter what you say as long as it's five stars. You can also find Talk of Champions in SoundCloud and Spotify. Just simply search Talk of Champions. I write for the Ole Miss Spirit, omspirit.com, and affiliate of 247 Sports. It's a new year. It's 2020. I rang in the new year with my two daughters and my wife. We shot some fireworks with some friends in our neighborhood. The girls stayed up all the way to midnight. It was 12.01, too, like I told Kermit. When they got in bed and maybe 12.03, they were asleep. Didn't take long. 
So not really throwing it down like I used to on New Year's Eve, but whatever. I don't really care about New Year's Eve. Never have. But Ole Miss just wrapped up its latest decade in Ole Miss athletics history. The high water marks were what? Uh, Sugar Bowl is number one, obviously. I disagree. You disagree? Yeah. Okay, go ahead. The SEC Basketball Championship in 2013. That was going to be my number two. But Uh, I know immediately that my message board, Twitter, is going to say, Ben, no, no. No, the Sugar Bowl, the Sugar Bowl, the Sugar Bowl. I grant you, the Sugar Bowl is a big deal. With Ole Miss and the Sugar Bowl, it's a huge deal. That's the Ole Miss sure. Bowl from the 70s. I understand that. But it didn't really mean anything. Yeah. You know, I was a student for both of them. I can tell you, and, and I was saying that as far as, you know, what, you know, from a national perspective, I can tell you this. I much more enjoyed that 2013 SEC basketball championship because that basketball team had been so close to going to the tournament, had the heart ripped out so many times. Um, where at, I mean, you, you know, that actually accomplished you something as you, you got into the NCAA tournament officially. And yeah, so I, I can I can certainly understand that. I can understand the argument that it's not had Ole Miss basketball beaten LaSalle and gone to the Sweet 16. This isn't even a debate. Yeah. yeah. But because Ole Miss fell short and didn't match the greatest accomplishment in Ole Miss basketball history by losing to LaSalle, you can put it in the same conversation as the Sugar Bowl. But remember, Ole Miss was a three-loss team in that Sugar Bowl against an Oklahoma State team that was clearly better than. And that was the same football season that had fourth and 25, a loss to Memphis, and a loss to Florida. For me, the 2016 season is the season of what could have been. Ole Miss should have been in the playoff. And had they stopped Arkansas in fourth and 25, they go to the SEC championship game. They're going to beat Florida. They were playing their best football at the end of the year, inarguably – one of the top three best teams in college football at the end of the year in terms of how they're playing consistently. I don't believe there was any team that they would have gone up against, be it Florida or in the playoff, that they couldn't have beaten. I'm not saying they would have beaten those teams, but that they couldn't have beaten. I would have said it had been even with any team, any team. But had Ole Miss held on 4th and 25, they're going to Atlanta for the first time in school history for the SEC championship game. They're beating Florida, and they're going to the playoff. So if you're going to diminish Ole Miss's 2013 SEC Championship Tournament Championship and knock it for not making the Sweet 16 by losing to LaSalle, I'm going to do the same thing for the 2016 season in the Sugar Bowl. That's certainly fair. Um, no, those are the top two for sure for me. And then I think College World Series is number three. Um, yeah, I, th- I think that would be the top three. And, and arguably is that 2013 SEC Championship, uh, the Sugar Bowl, and then the Game 3 in Louisiana Lafayette that night. Man, if you're just an Ole Miss fan and you're looking at this through the lens of being an Ole Miss fan and not an objective observer of Ole Miss athletics, that win in Louisiana Lafayette, that's tough to beat, man. Because you had seen so much. Yeah. Oh, man. (laughs) You had been through so much. And look, I know there's a lot of heat on Mike Bianco, and I get it, but that was cool for him that night. Uh, You know, he had lost three Super Regionals. He deserved it. Yeah, absolutely. He'd had some bad luck, and, you know, that happens in this sport. But, yeah, my that, that was a cool moment for Ole Miss fans and Mike Bianco that night. He he deserved to take that team to the College World Series. And, man, you look back, they had a real shot to win the national title that year, too, and just came up a little bit short. Say whatever you want to about Mike Bianco. What's not debatable, he built Ole Miss baseball to what it is, period. End yeah. of story. Criticize him all you want. He deserved an opportunity to go to the College World Series, to get that moment – it was great to see. I was standing there on the field as they celebrated. You could sense the relief and the pressure valve be released from this program just to be able to go. 
if you include last year's super regional appearance amongst the greatest accomplishments of the decade, which you would, there's an asterisk there, as there are with many big moments in Ole Miss sports this decade, be it football, baseball, basketball, there are these really bad moments tied to the really good moments. Like the Sugar Bowl <laughs> is tied to the Memphis loss and the 4th and 25. The 2013 Basketball SEC Tournament Championship is tied to losing to LaSalle because Reggie Buckner can't make the one block he's made all year. <laughs> and then baseball, last year, you make it to a Super Regional. That's a great accomplishment in and of itself. And you get beat like a drum in the win in your end game at Arkansas. It's the most Ole Miss thing ever. Yeah, you know, it's funny that that game against Arkansas, everybody wants to, you know, oh, the team was tight. No, they weren't. It's no, they weren't. No. They just lost the baseball game. Gunner was not good and, you know, threw flat fastballs and they crushed them. I think, you know, there, there's so much that, you know, with Ole Miss right now in baseball that people just have like their narratives they've made up over Mike Bianco over 19 years that they're not going to pivot from. So uh, you lose a game three in the Super Regional, it's because they're tight. I wouldn't have started Gunnar Hoagland. <laughs> no, I wouldn't have either. I said I that going have... into the game, I wouldn't start Gunnar Hoagland against this Arkansas team. Who would be the starter, though? That's the question. Phillips should have started. He would have gotten showed just the same. Maybe so, but he hadn't pitched against Arkansas. He hadn't started against Arkansas twice um, already in the same season, yeah, which I, I, I think was a big deal for Gunner. I mean, man, when you see – and he had started two weeks earlier against him in the SEC tournament. Like, at some point, you know, they're just going to have your number the more times you face them. No, that's true. And Zach Phillips was a new look. and But still, Arkansas raked against righties oh. and lefties. Didn't matter. Didn't matter. Only scored one run. Like, yeah. you know. One run was not going to win that game. That's no. all Ole Miss scored. Now they could have scored more when they had their opportunity. They went up sure. one nothing. Yeah. How quickly we forget. They had an opportunity to go up bigger than that. Could that have changed the game? Probably not. Probably would have led to a quicker hook for Gunnar Hoekland, though. Yeah, absolutely. But, you know, people don't look back at that and say, you know, Austin Miller wasn't good and Parker Crazy wasn't good. You were never going to win a game three without those two, without those two guys being good. 100%. That's why I think this team could be better. I think this team's getting undersold, man. They're going to be—they're not going to be ranked in the top twenty-five, but I think this team hosts a regional this year. I think they're going to pitch it better than last year. Oh, absolutely. The bullpen's going to be stronger and deeper. I'm excited to see Greer Holston pitch. That's got be, got to be yeah. one of that, that got a chance to be one of the better stories that we've seen in a while. Him, Wes Burton, Austin Miller—they got a lot of arms in the bullpen. And I'll be honest with you, Parker was a great pitcher and a great reliever. He was. Mike loved Parker to the point uh -huh. that he would throw him in there recklessly, regardless of the situation, regardless of the amount of pitches he'd thrown in a week. He just kept going to Parker Caracy over and over and over. Removing Parker from the fold, I think, will open Mike up more to other options. My worry is that Austin Miller is going to become Parker Caracy. <laughs> <laughs> They're just going to throw him and throw him. Um, just you know, throw the, him and throw the, him. The thing about Austin, too, is um, – he throws a lot of breaking balls, which obviously puts more strain on your arms. I don't know if he's going to be able to have the rubber arm that Gracie had. Low point of the decade was what? Oof. Okay, so there's two different arguments here. Is it the NCAA uh, yes. investigation? Or I could make an argument, man, that 2011 was so bad, that it, the football season, that it could just be that. It's the NCAA stuff. Okay. Because it wrecked multiple seasons. And it wasn't when it crescendoed to a final decision and final declaration from the NCAA about what the punishment was. The worst yeah. part was right there in the middle of it. I think it was after the 2016 season. Ole Miss's class was great in 2016. 
it yep. could have been so much better had the NCAA stuff not been surrounding Ole Miss football. Walker Little is a good example of a guy they couldn't get because of the NCAA stuff. I don't want to get too far in the weeds on that, but the point is that moment in time after the 2016 Sugar Bowl is when Ole Miss went on this terrible four-year run of football. It was all built around the NCAA stuff. That's when the Laramie Draft Night stuff, Steve Robertson's insanity, (laughs) the national media, Pat Forty in that summer, July, going into SEC media days, reporting about the immunity interviews. Then, of course, the phone call, the phone records, Houston Nutt. That was the low point. Uh, Houston Nutt, the gift that keeps on giving. That was the low point, far and away. Now when almost finally got its sanctions, that was a blessing. It was right there in the middle of it when it seemed like no end was in sight. When I was in Covington covering the NCAA stuff, had no business being in Covington. There was little to get there. Now I talked to a number of sources that were in the room. Turned out great for me, but they weren't supposed to be talking. Doesn't matter. That was fine. Yeah. But that's a good encapsulation of how bad it got to where – You're not covering basketball games or football games or baseball games. You're covering people sitting in a room (laughs) arguing about an 18-year-old's intentions. My favorite part of that whole NCAA uh, meeting thing was them like sneaking Leo Lewis inside the room so that the media could see it. (laughs) And somebody in that room sending me a picture that Leo had put out maybe on Snapchat and deleted. I don't know. Yeah. And of course – because at that point, you're just grasping for anything. I just threw it up on social media, which is always the healthiest place to put things. <laughs> and immediately, Mississippi State fans going nuts on me, right? Saying, oh, you creep. It's not like I snuck into his bedroom and took it. He put it out there publicly. <laughs> but they snuck him in. We were sitting there at the only, what we thought was, the only entrance into the room. And he came in through whatever back door was there, he came through it. They might have snuck him through the kitchen. Honest to God, this is not hyperbolic. I think they snuck him through the kitchen. Oh, my God. Yes. That is the <sighs> low point. That moment in time, not Covington, that stasis where nothing was happening but everything was happening. Let's do it like this. What would be uh, low points for basketball? Oh, when Andy Kennedy got fired. Not because Andy got fired, but because of how poorly that team was playing and how they completely laid down on him. Yeah, I, I was either thinking that or the— Tony Madlock know, coached them in the SEC tournament. Yes, he did, and that was bad. I, I, mean, I think the— the worst like game for me was two of them. The 2012 no, 2013 at Mississippi State. State. Yeah. I was going to say that one or the year before. You remember they played Vanderbilt in the SEC tournament? And if they would have won, they would have gotten in the tournament. And like Jordan Jenkins made like 18 threes in a row. That always seemed to happen that way, didn't it? Yeah. <laughs> one game away. One game away. Yeah. The player of the decade was who? Ooh, that's a good one. I'm going Marshall Henderson because he completely changed what Ole Miss basketball was. Okay, I'm, I'm fine with that. He completely um, changed the conversation about Ole Miss basketball. He was the national story in the NCAA tournament in Kansas City. You yeah. should have seen the people that surrounded him. I was in the room every single time he opened his mouth. <laughs> Didn't matter where he went. I'll never forget being in the bar across the street from the arena when Marshall walked in just because he wanted to get a beer and the crowd that followed him, he was a sensation. And yeah. in many, many years, probably infamously against Valpo, had Ole Miss been so much in the national conversation. You're right. Um, from a from that perspective, he is. Now, he's like on the basketball floor. I don't think he's a top five player. 
uh, this decade. But from what he brought to Ole Miss basketball, uh, slow yeah. down. But okay, I would take Murphy over him. I would take Reg. I would take. Stephon okay, Luton. you've already lost me because you said Reggie. So no. Dude, Reggie was good when he wasn't insane. But he didn't carry Ole Miss like Marshall did. Okay, fair enough. But we're not okay. talking about talent. Well, that, we're talking about game in, game out impact. Oof, man. I still wouldn't put him to the top five. You're nuts. You're <laughs> I'm just saying, nuts. man. I don't want to get too much into basketball. If you made me pick a football player, it's Chad Kelly. Yeah, yeah, absolutely on Chad Kelly. Number two is Bo Wallace. But if you're talking about just impact, because without Bo Wallace, I don't think anything happens under Hugh Freeze. Without Bo Wallace, you don't get Robert Kimdichie. Right. You don't get Laquan, potentially. I think Laquan was coming anyway. But you definitely don't get Laramie. Because without Bo, you're not winning seven games, including a bowl right. win. Bo is inarguably one of the greatest Ole Miss Rebels in the history of Ole Miss football. Yep. Yep. Just because what you stood to lose by not having him. And no disrespect to Brunetti or Mackey. It just is what it is. The legend of the 2010s is A.J. Brown. I'm fine with that. Fine For a number of reasons. He never went to a bowl, but it doesn't matter. They're going to build a statue for that dude one day. <laughs> yeah, because he's going to have a great NFL career, too. Great NFL career. He stayed when he could have left. He's the one that went out with the Wolf of Wall Street speech to say he was staying. Yeah. yeah. He's a he's a from, legend. He's a goat. From Starkville. Yeah. Yeah. He's a goat. From the minute he announced for Ole Miss at Starkville High School till when he walked out. Now, he lost terribly in the Egg Bowl, but it wasn't his fault. No. I admit it. I'm a huge A.J. Brown fan. I love the Braves and the Cowboys more than any other teams ever. The Cowboys are really, really testing my fandom. I'm almost ready to give up my fandom of the Cowboys and switch completely to the Titans. Not only because they're in Nashville, because of AJ. But I love the Cowboys and I love the Braves. No one I thought would ever, ever replace Chipper Jones. Ronald Acuna has come close. AJ Brown raced past everybody. Everybody! (laughs) Has nothing to do with Ole Miss, just because AJ Brown is a monster. I was so excited to root for him this weekend, and I and I do hope the Titans beat the Patriots. But I forgot about Bolden is still on the Patriots for the. BB is row. my boy. He knows it to the day I die. I love the guy to death. I will tell BB this to his face. Yeah, man. I hope you lose like crazy this weekend. <laughs> BB's won the Super Bowl twice, yeah. three times, at least yeah. twice. AJ deserves to win in the postseason. Yeah, they got a chance this weekend too. They do. He's the legend of the 2010s. That's the yeah. guy. The best that. baseball player in the 2010s was who? Okay, so I can cheat a little bit and say Pomerantz because uh, he was technically 2010. But if I'm not doing Pomerantz, ooh, that's a tough question. Pom or Bobby Wall, really, to me. Your number one memory for Ole Miss in the 2010s. Mine was the coach of the 2010s was who? Ooh, that's a good – oh, God, I don't want to say Hugh Freeze, so I'm not. I don't um, either, but I'm going to. <laughs> I'm not. I'm going to say Kermit Davis just because I can't. It's one year, though. Man, look, I'm not saying Hugh Freeze. I don't blame you. It's Hugh Freeze. But he's also the coaching loser of the 2010s, too. <laughs> First coach <laughs> ever to sweep the best of and the worst of categories of a decade. Oh, me. Mike Bianco is, like, anti-Hugh Freeze. Like, he's just steady. Hugh Freeze is, like, up and down so much. The quintessential roller coaster. Yeah. <laughs> Can you imagine? <laughs> and I don't think it's outside of the realm of possibility. I really don't anymore. This is completely me just guessing or nothing to do with any sourcing information, nothing. Please don't run with this anywhere on a message board or Twitter, whatever. I am not (laughs) reporting this, not saying this, nothing. Ole Miss just hired Lane Kiffin to be its head coach. 
Can anyone really write off the possibility of Hugh Freeze returning one day? I would quit. <laughs> He's coming back 2021 as the Liberty head coach. Hmm. <laughs> he will be at Oxford that day. No, he'll be somewhere else at that point. You don't. You think he? He think he's gone after next year? Yeah. Okay. Hugh Freeze is not staying in G five. That man's no, ego is too big for G five. Yeah. He ain't staying yeah. in G five. No. Somebody will want him. I'm still surprised Arkansas didn't go after him. Yeah. I just wonder if Sankey has put his foot down and said, "You're you're not hiring this guy." Seems that way, doesn't it? Yeah, so that was the case the past two years. I know that. I'm trying to think of a good fit for Hugh Freeze. Oregon. Oregon, yeah. Um, I just wonder if he's going to be able to recruit out west. Yeah, he has no recruiting ties over there. And uh, his stick, um, I don't know if it plays in the, in the west, but, you know, whatever. Yeah, that shtick wouldn't work. It'd be an awkward fit now that you think about it. He and Willie Taggart are eerily similar in ways. Yeah. I think I think Freeze honestly makes a lot of sense at a place like I don't know Baylor if Rule goes to the NFL or oh Texas yeah Bay. that's a great fit yeah Baylor's like, a great that, fit yeah I, don't put him at Texas or Auburn or no, I, no, no. it's just it, no it doesn't work no Tennessee does yeah Jeremy Pruitt I think has done a good job though he's gonna stick yeah, around he's not going while. anywhere I like Baylor that's a good fit. Here we are, open in 2020, still talking about Hugh Freeze. Hey, Ben, what are the Cowboys doing? They are firing this guy, right? I don't want to talk about it. This has been Talk of Champions. <laughs> I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter. He's Colin Brister at Colin Brister. If you haven't already, subscribe, rate, review Talk of Champions in iTunes. And when you do, please leave a five-star review. Doesn't matter what you say, as long as it's five stars. Also available in SoundCloud and Spotify. Just simply search Talk of Champions. I write for the Ole Miss Spirit, omspirit.com, and a fleet of 247 Sports. Thank you, my friend. I'm off next week. Now, Colin and I are going to record one podcast before I go, post it on Monday. I think Kentrell Lockett's going to be the guest. After that, Colin and whoever he brings on as his co-host, they're on their own. Pray for Ben. I'm going to Disney World with my two girls, seven and three. I used to love going to Disney World. Now, not so much. Not so much. So pray Pray for for Ben. Pray for Ben. Thank you, buddy. I'll see you soon. Absolutely. Get ahead of postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.